That's why I say to women, that's the greatest test of how serious a man is about you. When you tell him how you feel, how does he handle it? Mm -hmm. When you tell him what you need, does he now make the corrections or keep making excuses? This is going to say, is he serious or not? But if you just hold back, hoping he figures it out, you're going to make it hard for you to evaluate who are you really dealing with here and how serious is this guy about me? You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Almost 30 started as a conversation about the transition from our 20s to our 30s. But then we realized life is full of transitions. So we expanded our mission. We are an intuition-led, wellness-focused lifestyle podcast that promises to deliver authentic conversations, diverse points of view, and insights rooted in optimism, growth, and intention. The Almost 30 Nation community is a group of purposeful dreamers who are smart, passionate, and always seeking the full potential in every aspect of their lives. At Almost 30, we're making magic together. We dream it, and then we do it. Thanks so much for tuning into the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. It's Lindsay Simsek. Krista Williams. And we're so glad you're here and that you found us. (laughs) Yeah, so glad. (laughs) Krista Williams. Do you feel weird when you say your name? All the time. Krista Williams. It's like weird because I've been saying it for 30 years. It's weird because one day it'll just change. Yeah. <laughs> I've never, yeah, I've never. Are you going to do that. the three or the two? No, Justin, I don't know. I want to, <laughs> but Justin is like, no, you're going to be a hall. Or maybe your middle name just becomes Williams. Yeah. That's actually Krista cute. Krista Williams Hall. Yeah, I actually like I already that. already saved the Instagram name. Wow. That's because, you know, a little psycho, but also- You've been together forever. It's fine. Also, I'm getting sick of 100 blog and I want Krista. I want just at Krista, but at Krista will not reply to me. So I'm trying to, I want a, I want a normal name. Yeah, I feel that. You know what I mean? I feel that. Because I'm not, I haven't blogged in 14 years. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> Honestly, seven months, eight, almost eight months. Damn. I know. True. But there's so much content on there that I'm sure people are yeah, flooding into 100 just, blog. You know. <laughs> Still going through old stuff. What is your most, like, when you look back at a post and you're just like, ah. Oh, the beginning was hilarious. They were like haikus. I didn't know, how, I didn't really know that I could just talk like I talk in right. the way I write. So I, I made it much more formal. And I don't know, man, they're just really bad. But hey, whatever, that's life. I know I look back on, I mean, content creation wasn't a thing, you know, back then it was just kind of like a free willy nilly thing. And I would make these sketches with my friends and I mean, they still live on YouTube and I, oh yeah. People can find them now. Oh yeah, for sure. There's one where I'm making like a dating. So it's like a sketch where I'm like making a dating profile and I'm like facing the, it's a video and I'm like facing the computer and I do my own voiceover to it. So it's like the voice in my head making a dating profile and it's like a, I'm like lying out my ass. But you know, I just look back. I mean, it was in my like weird apartment and I just look at my face. I'm like, you're so, who are you? I don't know why. And then thinking back to that time and being like, oh, that was a time that I was like, 
crushing hard on this dude. And like, you know what I mean? Where I'm like, Oh, I look, I, it's so funny. I, I was much more confident than I thought I was. Ah, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. Cause I'm just like judging my, my younger self being like, you shouldn't have been that confident. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have been that confident, but it's, oh fu- it's but it's funny how like uninhibited I was like, just kind of making that stuff in New York. You kind of had to, to, to survive uh, emotionally yeah. and mentally. Yeah. At least feel, for me. I feel like you, I've come to realize that I thought I was way more different than I was. I think I always look for the differences in who I was when I was younger, but actually was very similar to who I am now. And, and reading through some of the books that I wrote when I was little, you know, not books, but like diary entries and stuff, I was actually very much like I am now. Mm-hmm. So there was so much different. My priorities were different and my interests were a lot different, but I was still who I was. And I bet that's the same for you. Completely. Especially my young, young, young self. I'm like, oh, so interesting. I mean, a lot of people had imaginary friends and now I'm like, oh, those were my spirit guides all along in a weird way. I'm like, I like to believe that, but it's, it's funny how you kind of come back to that talking to imaginary things and (laughs) just being kind of that weird, that weird side of you. But I know I found an old book that I wrote and I was talking about aliens. I was like, I was like, Dear world, I know aliens exist and I know they're out there. Yeah. I can't wait till they come. And that was honestly, I was like eight years old. I was like, wow. And then I, and I had some really weird, depressing part that was like, life can be very hard and very long. I was really eight years old. It was the craziest thing. I was like, damn. Yo. Emo child. To look back on those like drawings, pictures, we definitely had a period, maybe fourth grade, third, fourth, fifth grade, where we would make books things like that. I wrote a book about my aunt, but I made her into like a tap dancing something in the fjords. The fjords are like these really dark cavernous mountain things that are really like ominous. It was like Patty, I made up a last name, Fifoscopia Loco and her fear of the fjords. Oh, that's cool. And it was like her. That's a rad book. But like no one got it. Even my teacher that. was like, mm, A-. That's the whole thing A-. about that. Is that, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? What's a teacher going to do? She's going to compare it to her context of understanding of what books are, which is like John Grisham. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not meant for you. And why are you judging my creative outlet? That's the reason why, the only reason why I would want to be a teacher is to see what the kids are creating because it's probably amazing. Yeah, that's truth. You know? Truly, madly, deeply. I went to the dermatologist today for the first time in 10 years. Oh, how was that? To get my moles checked. It was good. And I actually have this, I've always had this thing on my chest and I thought it was sun poisoning, but it's actually a birthmark. So I have like my a- My brother has something like that. Yeah. I have a part of my chest where that's paler in some parts. I don't know how to describe it. It looks, I don't know. It's just interesting part. It's just a splotchy white mm-hmm. on all over my chest. And I've had it since I was young and it's- I always thought it was sun poisoning. So I was like, oh, I'll be able to get rid of it, whatever. And she's like, wow, that's cool. I haven't seen that type of birthmark in a long time. I was like, oh. (laughs) You're like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to tell everyone that asked me. It's cool. It's cool. How do I laser it off? Honestly. (laughs) I was like, cool. Now what? Now what do we got to (laughs) do? What do you do? Nothing. Nothing. She's like, you can't do anything about it. So I'm just... I actually don't mind it. It's just interesting. I'm just happy I have an answer to what it is because I actually, yeah. well, I was actually worried about it because I thought it was a sun poisoning. Someone told me that a long time ago. 
they were like, oh, that's a sun poisoning that you have. I have that on my shoulder. Oh, you do? And mm-hmm. that's what I assumed it was, you know, but now I just, I know that. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting thing. That's good. I'm, and sure, you- I'm sure I created it from sun poisoning, but whatever. What, and did she say anything else? All the no, moles are fine? All the moles are fine. It's great. Yeah. She was actually really, really sweet. So I was thankful that I went. Yeah. I haven't been to the dermatologist forever. I know. I haven't been in 10 years. Wow. Yeah. And I needed, I just needed to go. I need to like start to do that kind of stuff more. Mm -hmm. I was asking about hyperpigmentation and stuff like that, which we're going to keep an eye on. Yeah. I think it's just the, the awareness of things that we should be more aware of as we get older. So thinking about, I don't know, colon health or, you know, what certain procedures we should be doing or tests we should be doing as we get like older. mammograms and stuff like that. Yes, because I'm not in, in the know. Yeah, I'm thankful I have insurance for that, you know? Truly. Even though my copay was $70. I was like, oh. Oh, really? Because it's probably a specialty. That's a dr- or, we're supposed to get a yearly checkup included. Oh. Have you been to the doctor? No. Same. So I don't know if that's just normal. <laughs> Ever? No. I know. I don't know if this is our normal <laughs> level. Uh, Sunday night when I got back... We were just in San Francisco. We were in San Francisco. And I go, we were chilling after we got back. And I was like, I have to, we were watching TV. We were watching Family Guy, Justin and I. And I said, I was like, hey, I have to go work on this. I'm doing this subconscious reprogramming. And he's like, oh, I want to do it too. I'm like, okay. So we did. Together? Yeah. That's great. On Sunday. And then we did it last night. Fun. Yeah. So we did the whole thing. We were like working through the journal prompts of Lacey's to be magnetic. And he was like working through, he's like, okay, so this is something that, you know, I've thought about that's holding me back. That was from a certain situation. He was like thinking, he's like, okay, okay, I've got it. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I think this is my, for me personally, I think it's from a lack of self self-esteem is the reason why I have this certain thing pop up continuously in my life. And he was like, hmm, I think that's true for me too. I was like, oh. uh-oh. <laughs> it's like, I think that's true for me too. And I was like, okay. And so we were like, we laid in the bed. We did the whole like daily reprogramming exercise. And then yesterday he was like texting me. He's like, all right, I'm going to basketball. And when I get back, we're doing Lacey training. Oh my God, please. She needs to rebrand to Lacey training. He's like, we're going to do Lacey training. So we were like laying in bed doing Lacey training with our journals. He like had this one journal out. He's like, oh, I didn't know. Okay, so if we're going to be working on this for a long time, I need to get a different journal for for this. I was like, okay. I mean, are you just in heaven? I'm dying actually. I'm being very chill about it. So he doesn't think it's weird. Yep, yep, yep. So I'm like, okay, yep, sure. That's fine, I guess. Even though I'm actually like dying inside. I'm like, I actually love you more than I've ever loved you in my life. Now that you're doing this. Are there deep imaginings Mm -hmm. within it? Yeah. So we did deep imagining or we did like a daily reprogramming exercise where it was like three journal prompts about something that continues to pop up in your life that Mm -hmm. feels like a something that's holding you back, potentially something within your childhood that could be triggering it. What do you think that's from? And then what the connection between those two is, the situation in your childhood, and then the thing that keeps coming up. And then you'd go through the daily reprogramming exercise and then you journal some of your findings. So we did two of those. We did one of those Sunday and then one of those tomorrow. And then we're going to start opulence. Great. I know. Like, oh my God. It's so good. fucking dream. It's so good. The dream to be honest. Well, and, and especially since once once he sees the fruits of his labor... He's going to be, 
he's going to be just out there preaching to everybody. I know. He could be at the forefront of, of getting more guys into this work. Well, the the thing that I realized was the way that I pitched my languaging around it and that I didn't do it. And when I originally brought the To Be Magnetic work to him, in the past, I did it more as like a manifestation thing, but it really should be pitched to guys or Justin specifically in this case, not guys as a whole, but what I understand, you know, to be most guys would see it as more of like the mathematical scientific, like this is a subconscious reprogramming exercise that works on metaphysical energetics, you know, that brings you to a certain vibrational right. level to bring positive things in your life. So describing it more like that rather than the woo woo part. So it makes more sense to them. And totally. And I think Justin is a little bit more, into that metaphysical world than yeah, most true. guys. So it's like, I agree. It, yeah. You kind of have to take the science and that it is logical that we are doing a reprogramming of the cognitive brain. And yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I'm so glad. I know. I'm so happy for you. I'm literally so happy. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. My life is complete, honestly. Got him. That's, a, that's an activity, but he doesn't know it's an activity. I know. It doesn't count. Doesn't count. It doesn't count. I'm cashing in on my last two activities, sound bath tonight, dinner tomorrow oh, of the nice. month. Oh, dinner's going to be plant-based. That's why it's an activity. No, it's just a dinner with friends. Oh, okay. Even when we hang out with friends, it's my activity. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's, that's the kind of- I thought it was just you two. I was like, wait a second. I <laughs> but I think we're going to have him on the podcast because everyone was asking. Mm-hmm. So. Hell yeah. I know that'll be really fun. We uh, We just got back from San Francisco, which was- I don't know. Won't ever forget it as long as I live. Yeah, that was crazy. We had the best time. It was our first ever live show. It was at the Independent in San Francisco and we had 350 people attend. It was the wildest thing to just walk out there and see all of you. And so it was the weirdest thing. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I wanted to crowd surf. I know. No, it was just, it was a moment that, yeah, just fortified kind of, or just felt expanding, I guess. And, and it's interesting because I think our live show is not necessarily what others who do live shows is like. It literally feels like I'm coming out to all the people I know and it's just, it's filled with so much love. I'm never doubting that, oh, I hope they're going to like us. It's just a fucking love fest. Yeah, it is truly a love fest. I was thinking that. I'm like, I bet you a, a stand-up comedian, although, well, I guess if they have a crowd that loves them already, it might be easier to get laughs. Mm -hmm. But I feel like sometimes it's like you go up there with like the intention to be judged in that way, to be like, you're funny or not. So with us, yeah, it was just so nice. It, it did like, I do think the laughs come, come quicker because they know us and they've been with us every week and they understand our humor. They understand us and they understand what we're talking about. So it was like- yeah, it was really good. It was really, really humbling and really powerful. Yeah, it was, I was noticing a stage has the tendency to maybe separate you from the audience and the lights as well. Sometimes you're blinded and you really don't have a connection with the audience, but it was nice because we could see them and I just felt so much more grounded when I was aware of them and maybe their needs. And we, we both like got up at some point and moved the plants, which was like a grounding moment looking back on it where <laughs> plants were blocking some of their sight lines. So we both got up and moved these ginormous like dinosaur plants that we had rented that were on the stage. 
And it was just a moment where we were like, we see you, we, we are aware of what you need or, you know, Mm -hmm. it just felt really, really good because usually a stage means everything's planned and choreographed and this and that you have to be at this mark. So it just felt good to own the space and let them in. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. And then I was sweating my ass off. Oh my God. Tommy, our videographer walked by when we were doing a grounding moment. So we all got quiet. We closed our eyes and I mouthed to Tommy. I said, turn up the AC. And Tommy heard turn off the AC. So we were steaming. It was so I was cooking. I was cooking, cooking in my gold pants. It was like I was a foil. Like, <laughs> my hair was sticking to my neck. I was so sweaty. I'm like, oh my God, I don't think I'm going to make it. Mm-hmm. And then I was worried about the audience. I know. So I like, but I thought it was, I didn't know if it was two, it was the lights. I know. Was it the, is it the lights That's on us? That's what I prayed for, but no, it was actually Tommy, really hot. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> I, I called Tommy out and I told everyone that Tommy's single and we got a lot of inquiries. Got a lot of inquiries. <laughs> He's got a good head of hair <laughs> and a good head on his shoulders. Truly does. So thank you guys for coming. It was a blast and we can't wait to do more live shows. We have a live show coming up in New York City on October 3rd. We will be announcing the guest for that show really, really soon. It's very exciting. So stay tuned for that. We know who it is. We just got to confirm some details. Yeah, we know who it is. So it's really exciting. Really exciting. Okay, you ready? Yeah, let's do this. Stefan Speaks is Love on the show one. today. So exciting. I, I, to be completely transparent, did not know him before this interview, which sometimes I love because yeah. then it makes the conversation just really pure in my mind where I can dig in without having preconceived notions about his work or whatever. And I just loved talking to him mm-hmm. about all things relationships, sex, intimacy. And I... I appreciated his, it was faith-based in a way, like I, not all faith-based, but I just, I loved that thread of it because there is a faith that you have to have like in the process of finding love, of being loved, of giving love. So I just love that. Yep. He's super powerful. And it was a really great conversation. We talked about when you should have sex with a partner we talked about um, online dating a little bit, where you meet someone. We talked about what it's like or what should women do that are successful in order to hopefully find a man more easily than you know they potentially are today. We talked about some of his biggest tips for dating and relationships. And um, we always love talking about this type of thing. And I know you guys do too. So it is a really fun conversation that was really eye-opening. Yeah. And if you'd like to learn more, you can visit his YouTube channel, Stefan Speaks or stephanspeaks.com. He has loads and loads of video content, which inspired us big time. He had a crew here. We actually will be posting this on YouTube as well. So look out for that. And announcements. So we are coming to Chicago, Nashville, Ohio. We are speaking at the Empowered Voices event in Ohio, in addition to our own meetup. In Chicago, we'll be with Milana Snow. In Nashville, we'll be hosting two events, one with Julie Solomon and one with Dr. Axe of Ancient Nutrition. And then we'll be in New York City for three events, one live show and two events at the Assemblage with Stuart Pierce and Aaron Clare. Can't wait to meet you. So grab your tickets now. It will sell out. You can go to almost30podcast.com slash tour. Yeah. Can't wait to see you guys. And we're working on your podcast pro updates. The digital course will be live in September. 
the workshop for people that want to create a podcast, monetize their podcast or grow their podcast is now in January. So you can get your tickets on almost30podcast.com. There's the tab there for that. Awesome. Enjoy this episode, share with your friends and we will see you on the other side for a review of the week. Love Love you guys. I want to know about you being plant-based. Is that, what kind of decision is that? Yeah, it surprised me. I don't know why. It's definitely health. Yeah. Definitely health. Um, Spiritual too. I really feel like the world's been set up in a way that pulls us away from ourselves spiritually and it distracts us. And that's why we're not as in tune as we need to be. So the food that we eat, the things that we listen to, the TV that we watch, all of that stuff plays into it. So I've been doing this a lot of research on a lot of different things. And yeah, for me, it's like to even be, I mean, you guys know to tour can be exhausting. So I'm like, okay, how can I make my health more optimal so I have the energy for all of this? As well as like, I'm trying to look young for as long as possible. So, <laughs> so to me, that's just the way to do it. And also like I learned about uh, eating for your blood type. Oh yeah, I tried that. My blood type is the O positive, and they're like, mm. "You should be eating meat all day." I'm like, "Well, oh, shit, <laughs> I'm not." Pat. I was like, "Next you fad." Don't have to eat meat. You just have to eat a lot of protein. So you guys thrive on eating protein, but it doesn't have to come in the form of meat. And yeah. that's the thing. Like we've been lied to about so much when it comes I to know. food. Man. Talk to me it's about ridiculous. it. Everything though, actually, <laughs> everything is. I, you know, let me tell you. I, there was one time. It was years ago. I was researching and I found this guy who said you can build muscle on an 800 calorie diet. Now that goes against all things that you'll see on YouTube that you hear from experts, doctors, whoever. But I tried it and it worked. Really? I only ate 800 calories. I did lose weight, but people were saying I looked bigger. So I was packing on muscle. And so it, that was the first time I really realized there's something wrong here. They're telling yeah. us one thing, but that's not really what it is. Mm. And I think that part of the reason why they say eat so much or eat so much protein is because they're, they're compensating for the fact that most, the average person doesn't digest their food properly. So you don't get all, so you got to go extra to get the protein. But if you got your digestive system in order, you wouldn't need as much for your body to get what it needs. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, like I said, we can go off a day. I know. So Have you always been in touch with your body? Like, what has the, that been like? No, you know, I was like everybody, you know, so I'm 40 now. Mm-hmm. When I was like 30, my knees were hurting. I could <laughs> barely bend down. Like, I, I felt older than I do now at 30. But I didn't know. Like, of most people, we just don't know. And for me, it started with, I've always been obsessed with wanting to get my body to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. So I first linked up with this uh, guy who does competitions. He's a bodybuilder. So that kind of got the mm. things rolling. Then I actually did testosterone injections for a while because my testosterone was ridiculously low. Mm. So like it was 229 and 300 is supposed to be like the basement. Wow. And that's not even, it really should be 500 that's the basement, but they've shifted the scale to accommodate the fact that the average man now has lower testosterone. Why is that? Yeah, we did. You know? Birth control in the water. <laughs> well, it, it, the, thing is, it's what they, the thing is what they're putting in the food and yeah. all these different, there's a lot of estrogen stuff going yeah. on. So like it's even estrogen the fact, stuff, I love water, and then me. EMFs. Yeah. When you brought me this, I was like, oh, this is beautiful because, you know, plastic, there's uh, BPAs. The BPAs has a bunch of estrogen in it. That lowers mm. the testosterone. So anyways, to say, uh, tried that. And then what happened was I came across a video uh, by a guy named Miles Monroe about fasting. And it kind of inspired me. And I kind of prayed about it. I felt like, okay, God says it's time to do a fast. That was last year, August. And so it was a seven-day water fast, no food. 
And my thing was, okay, if I'm going to clean my body, so that's our researching fasting. And I started learning all these benefits of fasting. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to clean my body out in this way, why go back to testosterone injections, which is synthetic? That doesn't make sense. I need to see if I can figure this out naturally. So this is where the ball starts rolling. So, okay, now that I'm doing, I do the fast. I felt amazing. It was an amazing experience. I'm definitely going to do it again and for longer. Mm. And so then it was, all right, I learned about the eating for my blood type. And then it was, okay, what else can I do to raise my testosterone naturally? Then I end up connecting with a guy who's a holistic doctor. He has a book called, uh, Medic- no, I'm sorry, Vegication Over Medication. So this guy traveled all over the world, went to all these different remote places and learned from the people. And he realized how eating, you know, being vegan or eating plant-based was what was keeping these people alive for way longer than the average person in the U.S., and then, so now we have a relationship. So he's guiding me, and it's just been going from there. And you know, once you start feeling the effects and the results, and you love it, you don't want to go back. <laughs> yeah. You know? So now I'm like, yeah. I mean, and it's not that I won't eat meat. I just make my main diet plant based. And then you know, when you're traveling, you don't always want to be picky. If I can't find something, I'll eat a pizza and I won't sweat it. But now my body can handle it. And you can ask him before the past couple of months, man, if I even had any fast food or sugar, face would break out. Mm-hmm. Now, no problem. But I stay away from dairy and processed sugar, you know, except if it's a cheat day, then I'll have a little something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For me, the, the, it, is health benefits and it was a lot of health benefits. It's a, such a spiritual thing for me, you know, like just for my type, like the spiritual clarity that I get from no violence and no harm to others is mm, just, I got it. you know what I mean? Is, is so beautiful and something that like I cherish being able to do on that level. Um, yeah, I love that. I love having a little plant-based conversation. Um, <laughs> something I really love about your work and I think is really different and important is the way that you talk about healing and the importance of healing as it relates to being in relationship. Where were you, like at what phase in your life did you realize that within love and within relationship with yourself and relationship with others, that healing was really, the lack of healing was the um, stop gap to people connecting or the fact that healed people could be in a more fulfilling relationship? I think it was really, you know, I became a relationship coach. I'm writing these books. And in dealing with so many different people, I'm seeing the same pattern. You're holding on to things. You haven't gotten past those previous issues. And I'm seeing how it's playing out in your life. And then it starts to get get to a point where it's like, this is not a coincidence anymore. This is a reality of what people are facing. Then when you start to realize how negative the society is that comes from somewhere you know we're not we're not born that way we're not born being miserable negative and, and and all this other stuff so where did that come from broken homes broken relationships and the average person doesn't get help they don't seek any kind of healing so it's kind of putting two and two together but also mm-hmm. spiritually kind of being led in that direction you know i throughout my whole journey i've i'm always praying I'm always asking God. I'm always trying to understand more. And it's just what I saw, you know? And so many years ago, I started pushing the healing thing a lot. You know, the great thing is I'm starting to see more people pushing healing. But I remember once upon a time, you only saw relationship advice from the standpoint of tips and tricks on how to get a man, how to get a woman, how to do this, boom, boom, which is cool to a certain extent. But it's the deeper work that's really causing a problem. Mm. And 
because of a lack of, like, I truly believe the reason why the divorce rate is so high, the reason why we see so many broken relationships is because of lack of healing. If we fix that, everything changes. Yeah. Yeah. If I see one more, just at the point of like the quick fix and the tips and the whatever, it's like, send this one text and he will fall in love with you. I know. And you're like, click. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it it is that like going around. It is the shortcuts. Yes. In order to get what they think is that big, like explosive love that that will heal them. Mm -hmm. You know, like we always like for, I don't think I believe that now. Maybe I did in the past for sure. Like where it would save me. It would heal me. It would just make me better. And I think it can do all of those things, but I don't think that's like the ultimate purpose of a relationship. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, like, cause I've just experienced this in my own life where, you know, if you are, you know, connected with someone, like, how do you know, like how much growth you do t- together and at what point in their life you're coming together and if it's temporary and if you should keep kind of like tilling that soil and and helping each other grow you know i i just don't know what that feels like intuitively yet so there's two ways to look at it so from um if we're seeing it from a god perspective all right and being a believer to me it's about praying and i also feel that for women the intuition is there you hear it, but it's almost like the signal is a little soft or it's, it's muffled right now. And again, it's muffled because you have what your parents keep telling you. You have what society's telling you. You have that lack of healing. You have that fear that's blocking you from being able to embrace what you're sensing within. So you're confusing like, well, how do I know this is what it is? How do I know it might be something else? But if we even go beyond that, so the key to me is until... Both parties are able and willing to fulfill the desires of their partner. It is not time for a relationship, period. So we don't move forward until that happens. So if, for example, you meet a guy and he's down on his luck, he doesn't have a job right now, he cannot provide for you financially, but you know that is an important aspect to your relationship. And no one should feel ashamed of that. I think we've society has made people ashamed of what they desire and need, even though it is what the common average person desires and needs. So it's like the women aren't supposed to want financial stability anymore. Men aren't supposed to care about how you look anymore. Oh, no, it's just what's in their heart. Yes, what's in their heart is most important to love people. We can love anyone. But to enter into a romantic, committed relationship, certain standards have to be met. So in that case, if he's not there yet, you don't get in a relationship with him at that point. Mm-hmm. Because the problem is you get with him and he doesn't get there, you get frustrated. You feel cheated. Now you've carried that financial burden on you trying to help him get there. And guess what? Let's say he's never meant to get there with you. Right. You see, it causes damage and problems. So that's one. You wait for that to be in place first. Now you may ask yourself, well, do I stay as his friend in the meantime? You can, but again, you want to do it from a perspective of, are you here because you're hoping to get the reward of being with him later? Or are you here because you really believe that it is your, you know, this is the gift you're supposed to give this individual and help them. And even if that's the case, you can't get too emotionally involved. You can't get romantically involved in the meantime, because if you do, you're going to undermine everything that you're hoping to get out of that situation. Completely. Yeah, my... 
my, um, I have someone I know, I was going to like say who, I have someone I know closely that recently had a breakup and he was going through really hard times. He was really depressed. There was a lot going on and it was almost like he needed to, they needed to break up so he could hit his bottom alone and rebuild on his own because it was too much of her trying to help him, her trying to make him be this thing, her trying to get him through this journey that he needed to do on his own. Um, So I completely relate to that. Also too, I was thinking about when you were talking about how people feel ashamed of saying, you know, having, wanting their partner to look a certain way or be a certain way. And I think it's interesting too, if we think about, you know, with women and men, it's almost like I feel men feel entitled to having good sex. And that's why they always orgasm. That's why, you know, they're less focused on the women, which is not a bad thing. You know, I think it's just an interesting concept if we really think about it, how men in our society have been told that they're entitled to have this amazing sex all the time. And women are entitled from my perspective to have the financial security. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of been ingrained in us that the man should be providing for us in a financial way or in a monetary way or with a home or something like that. And it's like working with those because we should be entitled to everything, but, you know, in waves, not all at the same time. Um, but that's just something I've been thinking about a lot lately, especially as it relates to the conversations we're having with women in our community about sex and about. Um, them not feeling like they're fulfilled or them not feeling like they're always as turned on or ready for sex as the men. Well, I think but in regards to the sex specifically, one of the biggest issues is that we're not being honest with men about how not good it is. Yeah. All right. The reality is- Say that- it again. <laughs> Say it again. Say it louder this time. <laughs> it's really what, like, I said it on a different podcast before where- People do not, there's a huge disconnect between the perception of women's sexual satisfaction and the reality of women's sexual satisfaction. And so men are being led to believe that as long as you have a good size, all right, and you last a decent amount of time, you've done your job, you're good. And it's like, no, it's so far off the reality of what the woman needs to truly be satisfied. Then you have women who are afraid to tell the guy it's not that good because they don't want to push him away. They're hoping to have this relationship flourish and maybe get to marriage or whatever. So they just hold on to this little dirty secret that is really not that great. And then that's why you see when people get married, the sex goes downhill. Mm. And the perception is it's going downhill because they're married. No, it's going downhill because it was never that good. And she can't keep up the act forever. Okay. Yeah. So we have to get to a point where we're more honest with guys about, hey, and and guys have to be more receptive to, listen, it's okay that you're not that great. Even if you're an amazing lover, you're not going to get it right with every woman you sleep with. There's just no way. She has different things she's going to need. There's different things that could trigger her or push her in the wrong direction. You have to learn your partner. And society set it up to where this microwave mentality, sex should just be amazing off rip. And if it's not, that means you're with the wrong person. That's not true. You've got to learn how to connect on that level, but we have to have more honest, transparent conversations about what's necessary and what's needed. And I will also throw in, we need to get men to understand the emotional component to satisfying a woman sexually because you could do everything right physically, but if a woman is not in it mentally and emotionally, it will mean nothing. It will not satisfy. She won't get there. She won't get to orgasm. But then on the flip side, I think also I want to help women. I think we need to help women in general understand that 
her mind is the most powerful thing in that experience. When she can learn to get out of her own head, it completely opens the door. So I, I have this argument yeah, where I agree. you hear women say the, the bad guy is usually when the sex is good. The guy who's no good for you is when it's good. But the guy you're really into, <laughs> it's like, it's never messes up. <laughs> and the argument I make is that it's not the guy, it's you. When you're with the guy you don't have feelings for like that, you let loose. You open up. Like I said, you, he's your life-size dildo. He's a play toy to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you fully immerse in the enjoyment. When you have feelings, it's, oh my gosh, am I doing this too soon? What does he think about me? Am I doing this right? Is he enjoying? So much is running through your head. How could you possibly orgasm? How do you coach men to like liberate that? You know, like have those conversations or create that space so that they are able to let go. And then also women to communicate in a way that for me, I'm like, I, once I start communicating, I'm like, yes, this is amazing. Like it feels Mm -hmm. so good. But the first, the first like attempt at communication is always really hard because I'm afraid I'm going to hurt their ego, Mm -hmm. you know? So in first with men, my, my first ever book was actually called how to get a woman to have sex with you if you're her husband. So, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> that's my first ever that. book that I wrote. And so, what I was trying to help men understand was all these different things the emotional component, um, what he needs to be more aware of, being more receptive to hearing what she has to say about the experience. It's just been difficult because, again, a lot of men, when they, I remember when I came out with that book and I got some guys to read it. They were questioning the whole having a connection. What does that mean? The whole emotional side. Because this is where society is throwing everything off. Society is trying to convince men that women are the same as men sexually. And that's just not true. Mm -hmm. All right? So in this attempt to gain sexual freedom, and I understand the need for, you know, we don't want to be judging people. People got to live their lives. Whether you think it's the right thing to do or not, everyone's an adult and they have a choice to make. And we don't want to make it to where, oh, it's okay for men to do this, but women shouldn't do X, Y, Z. I get that. But we're playing, uh, we're playing with fire. Because if you tell men women want sex just as much as you, they're just like you, then to the man, it's why do I have to do all this other stuff? Why do I have to worry about her emotions and, and, mm-hmm. and make sure there's a connection outside the bedroom and be more detailed and more passionate? Because guess what? He doesn't need that. So that's why when the man who's married has a wife who's not having sex with him anymore, you know what he thinks? Oh, she doesn't like sex anymore. He doesn't think I'm not pouring into her emotionally. He doesn't think I don't touch her the right way. He just thinks, oh, no, she's lost the desire for it, the taste for it. So we've got to stop pushing that narrative and really start saying, no, there is a difference. And the reality is that there's nothing wrong with saying, on average, women do not want sex as much as men want sex. What women truly want is intimacy. Intimacy has been interwoven with sex to make the argument that women want sex just as much. No, we, I always say if we had door number one and door number two, door number one is intimacy, kissing, holding, all that sweet stuff. Door number two is just straight raw sex. The majority of women are picking door number one. The majority of men are picking door number two. There is a difference, all right? We have to understand that so that we can better handle each other and be able to come together. So I think we got to really help men understand that there is a difference and that, yes, a woman is capable of wanting sex as much as a man or even more than a man. 
But I would make one argument to anyone who tries to claim that's the average woman. Simply off the fact that men, as you said, orgasm almost every time. I, to use an analogy, it's like men go to work and they get paid every day. Women go to work and sometimes she gets a paycheck and sometimes <laughs> she does it. it. It's few and far in between. Mm-hmm. So why would she have the same desire for work than that man does? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. She doesn't get the reward that the average man does. So it's normal for women not to want it as much as the men. So that's one thing. We gotta get we really gotta change the narrative. And I think we women just as far as having that conversation, like you said, that first conversation can be very difficult because you're afraid you're gonna push them away. We just have to learn how to communicate better. Mm-hmm. We have to learn that, listen, and here's the thing to me from the way I see it. If you can't communicate with your partner about this early in the relationship, you don't need to be in that relationship because that's a, that's going to uh, set the stage for can we have deeper discussions later on? If we can't talk about this now, what happens when something big happens later on? You know, and we don't see eye to eye. So we need to establish that environment where we can talk about anything. Mm-hmm. And when you can do that, and you find that person that, hey, we can have that discussion and no one takes it personal. We can embrace it and learn from it. You will set yourself up for an amazing relationship. Yeah. It's been beautiful. My With my boyfriend, there was a situation with his best friend. They had He was dating this girl and she had this issue that he had real problems with, but didn't feel comfortable to communicate. So it's been actually nice because we've been able to experience that situation, but from an outsider's perspective. And kind of realized that we would like to open ourselves up to having those specific conversations about what they were talking about, mm. just because it's so important that we are able to be honest, you know, say if it was an example about, you know, if I wasn't like feeling attracted to him anymore or something like that, having the ability and opportunity to like speak clearly on that. But something that you were talking about too, I guess I'm curious of what you think and in Lindsay too, like, so men would choose door two, which is Mm -hmm. sex. Women would mostly choose door one. Do you think that's like nature or do you think that's socialization? Is it because men, and I don't mean this meanly, haven't evolved to the point where they're wanting real connection and they're trying to get it through sex? Mm -hmm. So more and more, I've been researching that, trying to see what things are really uh, social constructs that were created versus how we're just wired. Yeah. And more and more, I'm starting to see it's how we're wired. All right. It's what's in us. So now don't get me wrong. I do think when I say men will pick door number two versus door number one, it doesn't mean men do not desire intimacy. I do believe men desire it. But if the choice is I can only have one of those things, (laughs) then the average guy is picking the sex, not the intimacy. The woman is going to pick the intimacy, not the sex. So it's, it's in that kind of dynamic that they'll pick one or the other. However, yes, I do believe how we're wired. And again, going back to the fact that Men experience orgasm on a regular basis. Women do not. That alone changes the dynamic of how one will desire sex versus the other. All right. Um, are there some societal things that have conditioned women and men to, you know, how they go about this? Yes, I do believe there's always contributing factors. But I think again, how we're wired. And so look at it deeper like this: testosterone versus estrogen. If we take a woman right now and we start giving her uh, testosterone injections, her libido will rise like crazy, period. There's no way around that. That's just biological science. You take a man, you start giving them estrogen injections, his libido will drop, all right? This is what shows us, this is biological, this is how we're wired. 
And we're just made to have that drive, that desire even more, whereas women, they're given something different. And again, I think that the the ultimate goal should be how we can come together and balance that all out. When we learn that, you know what, as men, we can't just give a woman sex. We have to give her intimacy with the sex. Think about how men are horrible with foreplay, all right? Like if, if a man starts to understand how we bring this all together, his woman will be so much more satisfied. And then what happens is she becomes more motivated to give him the sex that he wants. <laughs> it, it all works out. Yeah. It all works out. But the minute you deny her of the intimacy, she loses interest in the sex. And if you deny the man of the sex, he loses interest in giving you intimacy. Mm, yeah. Like I remember one time I read on Reddit, um, there was a story of a guy who said his wife wanted him to watch these chick flicks with him all the time. And he hated watching chick flicks. <laughs> but one day he decides to Reddit. do it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's always something interesting on Literally. <laughs> he decides to do it. And while he's doing it, she gives him a blowjob. And he's like, wow, okay, this works. Let me keep doing this, right? <laughs> I love <laughs> so that. Every time he's willing to. And, and, and watching the chick flick with her isn't just watching a movie. It's the intimacy. It's sitting mm. with her enjoying this film, connecting with her. And in return, she's giving him this sexual satisfaction and they're both happy. Yeah. You know, and that's just one small example. But I think we have to learn how to pour into that desire for each uh, gender. And that brings it all together. I love yeah. that. I think about too, like the kind of the 24 hour window. Sometimes I think about because it doesn't have to necessarily be like the traditional physical foreplay, like right mm-hmm. before you have sex. Exactly. Like I'm thinking of like, Hey, if you send me a text earlier in the day, that's so fucking sweet and just like gets at my heart. I mean, come home, hurry up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, it is this like, and 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 that's where I think the gap is in the understanding. Because I think the guys put so much pressure on themselves to be, okay, she needs me to be more emotional and more this and more intimate. And it really is, it can be, at least for me, I'm speaking just for myself, but like just the little things that mm-hmm. could add up throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month that really like, yeah, if you want to come home and just have like raw sex and like have it be kind of like <laughs> bang, bang, whatever, then that's cool with me. That that would be cool with me because the balance is there. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yes. You know, what's crazy is literally in the book that I wrote, The How to Get a Woman Has Sex with You for Her Husband, I mentioned that you have to take a preemptive strike. You can't wait for the moment. So send the text, you know, yeah. say the sweet things, send the, the love letter. And that's why to me, the connection outside the bedroom is so important for men to understand. If that exists, that is the foreplay in advance. When mm. she feels fulfilled, loved, desired outside of just sex, she now wants to pour into you what you desire. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just, again, men have been, they're being sold a different story and they're not being guided. What I've also learned is that a lot of women don't want to have to tell the man, this is what I need you to do. This is what I want you to do. In her mind, it's, you should figure it out or you should know. And in his mind, it's like, well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what to do. So you have some men who actually love you and would do it if they just knew. Then, of course, you have the guys who just really weren't there for anything serious. So it doesn't matter what you told them, they're not going to do it. But that's why I say to women, that's the greatest test of how serious a man is about you. When you tell him how you feel, how does he handle it? Mm-hmm. When you tell him what you need, does he now make the corrections or keep making excuses? This is going to say, is he serious or not? But if you just hold back, hoping he figures it out, you're going to make it hard for you to evaluate 
who are you really dealing with here and how serious is this truly, guy about me? Truly. And I, I'm also curious too, like on just this note of sex, like what, what does that open up early in a relationship or what does that close? So spe- just talking about like, you know, if you're dating someone, how sh- soon should you have sex? Should being not the right word that I want to use, but I'm, I'm just curious about the energetics of it. Okay. So now, of course, in a perfect ideal world, we could say, wait till you're married to have sex. Mm-hmm. But let's, we all know that's not happening for most people. Okay. So we're going to talk about it within the context of it's not going to happen. Or we're not waiting that long. Yeah. So my thing, there's, there's two things I believe a person should wait for, man or woman, before having sex with somebody. If the desire is a real relationship, Okay. Number one is, excuse me, making sure that you guys even want the same things, all right? Because if we don't want the same things and you get too emotionally involved and sexually involved to where it attaches you to this individual, that's a setup for disaster every single time. So let's make sure, do we even want to go in the same direction? Because if he's thinking, I just want to kick it every now and then, and you're thinking, but I want someone serious, not someone I could potentially marry, that's a problem right there. You sleep with him, it's going to become a mess, all right? And I would say the same thing can happen for a man because for a man, it is possible to where the man wants something more. The woman's looking at him like, no, I just want to have fun for the moment. He has sex. He gets so attached. Let's say the sex is amazing. And now he's fixated on a woman that he doesn't belong with, you know, and ends up trying super hard to get her and only damages himself further. So one, let's make sure we're on the same page. Two, you have to be honest with yourself about how long do you need to properly evaluate this individual and if you really even like them like that? Because again, sex has created a dynamic to where so many people have become attached to the wrong person and for the wrong reasons. And you jump into bed too quickly and now it's the sex that's driving the relationship, not a real connection. And you're not able to clearly see that because you're so into the sex and the intimacy and all these other things going on. So you have to be honest with yourself. Okay, if I need a month to make sure this is what it needs to be, then take a month. If you need three months, and it's hard to give a specific time because to me, it's not about time frame. It's about how much time do we spend truly getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. So I know people who've known each other for one month who know each other better than people who knew each other for 10 years. All right? Because in that one month, they spend a lot of conversation. They ask the deep questions. They really dive into each other. That's the key. You, you got to give yourself enough time to really figure out what's in front of you and do we even have a connection? So to me, those are the two things. But when I speak to women specifically, I say to them, do not have sex until you are okay with whatever's going to happen next. Meaning, if you have sex with him with the expectation of a relationship or hoping for things to materialize further and it doesn't, you're going to feel robbed, cheated, used, and you're going to be damaged from the situation. Now, if you just get to a point where you're like, you know what? I just want to get my rocks off. I'm okay. If this doesn't work out, I'm fine. If it does, awesome. I would love for it to, mm. but I can deal with it either way. You're an adult. Do your thing. Because now you're doing it for the sole reason of just enjoying the sexual experience. But so many women have sex because they're trying to angle it to get them something. Angle it to keep him around. Angle it to get that relationship. Angle it to where he may one day marry you. Like, I remember one time I got uh, DM'd by a girl, and it's a crazy story, but 
She I said, bet you get mad DMs. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> is it insane? Do you guys? Go yeah, who goes through the DMs? Yes, yeah, they do. Come on, no, only he does, and it's insane. <laughs> insane. Oh, he's traumatized. His eyes are yeah. closed. Wow. <laughs> so one girl DMs me, and she says, "Hey, I'm dating this guy, and he has a girl for every day of the week, and I'm his Saturday girl." Okay. Stop there. <laughs> Say no more, fam. <laughs> and then she's like, like, let me help you. Yeah, right. So she's like, but here, here's where she's trying to go with this. She says, I really, you know, I'm the youngest and the hottest one. And so what can I do sexually so that he'll pick me? And I said, listen, I'm sorry to tell you, but he doesn't respect you. And he's not going to pick you, regardless of what you do. I said, um, you know, if anything, like the, the one that he would pick, he wouldn't be treating you. He wouldn't be doing this to you if he, if he had that level of desire and respect for you. So she hits me back. She says, oh, my gosh, I think you're right because he has a seventh girl <laughs> that he doesn't have sex with and he doesn't bring around the other six. That's his Sunday church girl. Exactly. It's that, essentially. And so the other six can know about each, know about each other. But the seventh, he protects her. He isolates her from the rest. And I said, yes, because that's the one he wants. That's the one he's serious about. It's not the sex that's going to get you the guy. If anything, women, women have been conditioned to believing they have to have sex to move mm. things forward. That's not true. If you meet a guy and there's an amazing connection, he's going to, when we meet that person, man or woman, that we have an amazing connection with, the rule book gets thrown out the window. All right? And we do things for them we wouldn't do for others. So even if that guy can't wrap his head around waiting, let's say, six months, he's going to be willing to at least try to be more patient with this woman than he would be with any other woman. And so women sell themselves short a lot thinking they have to do No, you don't have to do it. If anything, it's a great way to see who's really into you or who's just trying to get the benefits you can provide. Mm. And there's a difference there. I'm wondering about this example, though. Okay. So, hey, at least she was a Saturday chick. That's I, like the girl he takes out. It's like next to Sunday. <laughs> I, but I'm like wondering like, so yeah, he wants that girl, that Sunday girl. But he's also like getting it from six other women. So what does that say about her? Do you know what I'm saying? I know there, I know there are holes in this that are like yeah. pretty fucking wide. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, so let me tell you. Here's the thing. A lot of men, I'm not going to say all men, but a lot of men, the mentality is that if I'm not with the one I truly want to be with, I might as well still enjoy myself in the meantime. Mm-hmm, All right. Mm-hmm. Th- there is not this thinking of let me shut down everything else okay. while I'm trying to make things happen. Because again, with that woman, they're not having sex. He's taking it very slow. And there will come a point where he'll probably cut off the other girls. But that doesn't happen right away, especially if that's the life he's been living for so long. Okay. Sometimes it can't. Sometimes a guy meets that one and he's like, forget the rest. I don't care. I just want to focus on her. But a lot of men are just thinking, okay, I might as well just do my thing in the meantime. And again, because I'm not in a relationship with this one that I really want, I'm not cheating on her. I'm not disrespecting her in that way. We're not engaging to where she can take issue with this. Um, but yeah, it's just how a lot of a lot of guys go about it and they don't see anything wrong with that. What else goes down in your DMs? People ask you <laughs> so many questions all the time. And then also they like trying to holler. Yes. I, I mean, honestly. I get all of that. Like, Do you ever respond to a holler? Not, no, I'm not asking you what you say, but like, <laughs> what's like a good holler? Yeah. 
I, I really can't name any of them to be good. I mean, there was one time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I respect a woman's willingness yeah. to be able to shoot her shot. All right. I actually think, same with men. To be mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I same. actually think that more women should shoot their shot. I find it crazy that especially attractive women on the internet do not shoot their shot. Interesting. Attractive women get on the internet, whether it's online dating or social media, and they essentially, no offense to men, wait for a wave of trash to come their way and hope <laughs> that they can sift through the trash you and know. find the diamond. But you like, smell trash. It's very visual. I see the way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's such an exhausting process yeah. mm. that even if a diamond exists within that group, you will overlook them. Yeah. However, when you're an attractive woman, your chances of getting a guy to have mutual interest is so high that if you simply put yourself out in front of the guys that you actually desire, you might get what you wanted. Yeah. And the guys that you desire are probably looking at you thinking, oh, she already has hundreds of DMs. Mm-hmm. He has a fragile ego. He's not trying to... You notice the ones who don't aren't attractive, they have all the confidence sometimes. <laughs> all right? Not like, true. they don't care. There's no fear. They've already been conditioned to rejection. Mm. A, a attractive person has not been conditioned to rejection, so it hits harder. All right? That's, That's why true. very pretty women can be the most insecure. And it's the same thing with men. I've known a lot of men who women were going crazy about. And when I sat down and talked to them, were very insecure. Wow. All right. And very self-conscious. So all that to say, yeah, I think women should shoot their shot more often. I have had that happen. I can't think of a good one, yeah. but I just think that it's it's cool that you know you're willing, but at the same time, just like a woman doesn't want a man to over-pursue or chase, I, as a man, I'm not gonna want that either. It's like if I'm not really giving into this. Don't don't go any further. Mm. But the thing about women is their their version of shooting the shot is not an obvious shot a lot of times. Oh, All totally. right. Tell me more. Because <laughs> <laughs> I want to know if it's me. <laughs> As men, we're a little bit more clear and direct that we have some interest and desire. Yeah. Mm. As a woman, sometimes and I'll, let's use me for an example. And I think even though I'm not the average guy because I have a huge platform and all these things, I get a lot of messages from people saying, I love your work, you're so inspirational, all these different things. So if that's your approach to shooting your shot, how am I supposed to know you're oh, different from you're anyone saying. else? I, see mm. I can't tell the difference. Yeah. That would work better with the guy with who like doesn't a tit typically shot. get It's <laughs> <laughs> an attachment. DMs are... are are going to be more like, hell, any message they get from a beautiful woman or a, a woman they have any interest in, they're going to jump on it. But for me, I can't really do that. I, and I have to be more particular because in the position that I'm in, I can't just be talking to any woman who DMs me yes. like that. So yeah. I think a lot of times when women DM guys who are desirable, have a lot of women already coming after them, they're not making it direct enough for that guy to know for sure you are throwing your hat in the ring. You do want this. But even outside of individuals who have platforms of very desirable men, women think they're flirting when, they're, when the man has no idea. Mm-hmm. All right? And women don't realize that in today's world, you have to get more direct because think about it like this. There have been men who saw a woman look at him. All right? Was sure she was looking at him. He approaches her. He tries to talk to her. And she's like, no. I didn't, I didn't want you. No, I'm not interested. Like, totally. wait a minute. So Aww. now what happens is, how is he supposed to trust yeah. that you just looking at him means mm. you want him? That's why I tell women, you look at a guy, hold the, 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 hold the look for a little bit. Smile with the look. 
Be more direct. Be, be more obvious with the fact that, hey, yes, I'm interested in you. Mm. That goes a long way. If you're going to shoot your shot in the DMs, say, hey, I would like to get to know you better. Be more direct. Be more clear so that he knows this is what it is. Outside of that, yeah, women are just not clear. Mm. And it's yeah. like the the fear of rejection too. You exactly. know, just it like is. they're afraid of. But yeah, the holding the gaze thing. I remember when we were in London. I'm saying this oh, out loud damn, in case he's hearing. This story haunts we, us. We will <laughs> not haunts us in, in an amazing way. But we okay. were in like an Uber or whatever, and we were at a crosswalk, and there was this like group of people crossing the street, and there's just this fine man. Fine. But like, but also you could just like. I'm going to be cheesy and just be like, oh, you're probably like a really good dude. 100%. I don't know why. So we locked eyes and I'm in the front seat of the Uber and I did not unbreak that like lock until he crossed. And then like the girls in the back were like, hey. Yeah, Cher rolled down the window. She's like, hey. And he he goes. Or no, <laughs> or, you know, he, he just it. waved. She blew a kiss and he caught it. But I was like, oh, damn. I was, and then we just rode away. But I felt the power of holding that eye contact. It was a little uncomfortable for a second. And then I was like, oh, I'm staring at another human. And he's looking at me. You know what I mean? Because sometimes we feel like we're crazy and we're just like, our gaze is, you know, searing their eyes. No, listen, look at it this way. Holding the gaze is simply making it clear to that individual. It's your way of communicating without words. It's your way of sending the direct signal. Hey, I see you. I like what I see. So if you like what you see... (laughs) Come say something. <laughs> that's it. That's it. You know, there's nothing, and that's all it is. To you know, don't don't look any deeper into it. And what we have to understand with rejection is that rejection is not a reflection of us and our value mm. all the time. Like that same guy you saw in London, maybe he's in a relationship, so he can't act on it because he has somebody. You know, or who knows what's going on in his life. It doesn't mean he wasn't thinking, man, she was beautiful too. He may have been scared in that moment. Men get scared too. Men definitely fear rejection much more to me these days than back in the days. Right. And because there's so much more that's tied to that. But the point is, again, we, we have to get out of our own way with that. And in reality, when it comes to life and love, sometimes it's a numbers game. And I hate to say that, but in the sense of you're going to meet a lot of people. You're going to come across a lot of people. And guess what? Most of them aren't for you. So when it doesn't work out, when they reject whatever, you know what? That just means we were able to figure out quicker that this Mm. wasn't for us. Mm -hmm. Better than getting caught up in a situation we don't belong in, letting it drag out for months, years, or whatever, to only now accept later they were never for us to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's not going down in the DMs as far as reaching out to someone, where do you think people should reach out or meet people? Like, what do you think? What would you suggest someone to do? Um... One, I do think that we need to do better with how we handle things online. I do think online is such a great opportunity to meet people, but we're all very awkward online to a certain extent and and people don't know how to handle themselves. But outside of online, like I I, I give a list of places to go to meet men. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get the whole list right now, but the, the one spot that jumped in my head was, and this is for women mainly, networking events. All right. I feel like at a networking event, the great thing is it's a, it's an environment set up to mingle. Yeah. All right. Granted, it's for business purposes, but let's be real. You can meet someone to date or someone who could be the love of your life anywhere. All right. And and the great thing is, yes, if you are a business person, then you get to meet other business individuals, and that can create other opportunities. So, and every not every city, but a lot of cities have networking events going on. 
but you have to go look for them because they're not highly publicized. You may not see them on your social media feed, but if you actually did some research, like Meetup, uh, was it Meetup.com, one of those sites, they always have little things that they're doing coming together. There's always groups of people coming together. I think that's a great place to go to, to meet individuals. But I think in general, to me, we have the potential to meet people anywhere. And so it's about giving off the right energy. All right. The reality is that, and I'm going to say this for women right now, so many women walking around giving off an energy that says, don't talk to me. Don't mess with me. Don't bother me right now. I'm not dealing with your ass. All right. (laughs) That's plain and simple. And so men don't even know they should approach you. And what's crazy is a woman could be, could see a man and on the inside, she's going crazy. It's almost like, Little kids in, in a classroom that's on fire. They're just running around. You're, you're nuts. But on the surface, you're showing him nothing. Mm-hmm. And he has no clue you have any real interest in him. And not, not just in like everyday life walking around. Even in close social settings, there are people right now who are friends with other individuals who have deep feelings and the other person has no idea. So we, we've got to be willing to, one, be more expressive about our desires, but yes, the energy that we give off, and I believe that can apply to both men and women, but I do believe it's even stronger with the women, can completely change how men then see you, how men uh, approach you, and the kind of men that you attract. All of that works in your favor when you give off the right energy. Yeah. Yeah, I feel it's that. like a switch. Completely. Really. And it's, and it's interesting because I think in like, college, early 20s, like if you are the average, it's like going to bars, you're kind of like standing with your girls, oh, you have this face yes. on and then you kind of have this face on because there are a bunch of guys that you wouldn't want to talk mm-hmm. to that are kind of approaching and you're like, no, no, no. So it's like, it's like shaking that off and being able to be as open as possible. Because also like, I think later in my 20s, I kind of learned this or felt this where like, I started to really respect even though I wasn't interested in them, certain guys that would approach me, like I just really respected like the the courage it takes to approach someone, mm-hmm. anyone really. Absolutely. And so like, and maybe we just have like a funny conversation for a few minutes. You know what I mean? Like I get to know them for a second, they get to know me. And I ended by saying like, I'm dating someone or like, you know, I'm, I'm not interested in that way, but like, I really, I appreciate you like approaching me. Like that means a lot, you know, like I think we can have those conversations. Like it sounds like a little drawn out and a lot, but it's like, I I think about them like going home at the end of the night. You know what I mean? Maybe that's just a girl in me and like the mothering side of me, but it's like, I don't know. I wouldn't want them to go home and be like, man, I fucking suck. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or man, I put myself out there tonight and like nothing came of it, but like I was proud of myself. You know what I mean? Like we're all in this together in a way. So like, how can we help each other out? And I think girls get tripped up when they're like, I don't want to lead them on. But yeah, I don't know. Like they're adults too. Like they're people too. They can can sense and figure it out. I'm curious of uh, kind of switching gears to infidelity. Okay. And and your view on the why behind it, like why men would cheat, my, why women would cheat, and is it possible to to heal from that? Um, so okay, so you want to start with the why? Yes. Okay. So one, let me just say that I have a book one day that I want to write all about cheating mm-hmm. all right, and breaking it all down, and I realize that a lot of people don't they don't look at this issue this issue the right way. 
And everyone wants to just blame the cheater. It's almost like it's in the cheater's DNA. That's just who they are. You can't do anything about it. But that's not true. All right. Now, I think that the why starts with there's a void somewhere. Now, the void may not always be within the relationship or from their partner. So, for example, I had a couple I was uh, coaching and the guy cheated on her and he was in the military. Okay. And so when we did the session, it was me and them together. And so when I dived deeper, what I found was I started to sense, because again, I'm very spiritual. When something just hits me, I'm just going to speak on it. And I started to sense like he's not happy with what he does for a living. And so I asked him about, why are you in the military? And it was like, well, it, you know, it's just something that he figured he would do it was basically the best option at the time. And I said, well, do you care about it? Like, are you really into it? He's like, no. So what's happening is and what we got to in that session was that he lacks purpose. He's not passionate about his work. It doesn't make him happy. That's his void. So now, because work doesn't make him feel good, and, and, and none of these things are really pouring into him, the way that the average man uh, goes about trying to feel better about themselves is getting women. That's the mm-hmm. quickest, easiest mm-hmm. fix. It is just the yeah. simple ego boost. Wow. You know, you feel like a man, you were able to get her in bed. It just makes you feel like you've accomplished something. So... His issue was a lack, that was his void, a lack of purpose, a lack of passion in his life. Had he had that, I, I, I'm not saying that means he would never cheat, but his chances of cheating would decrease immensely because now you're getting that, you're getting that void filled somewhere, all right? Mm-hmm. But then when we go into the actual relationship, and let me just say that can also happen with women, where there are women who don't feel like they found their place in life. And they don't feel like they have that purpose or they're not viewing what they're doing the right way. And I say that when I think about women who stay at home. Some women devalue being a homemaker. And I think that's wrong that society doesn't give them the credit they deserve. When you're holding down that house correctly, that's work. Mm-hmm. All right. And, and, and that requires a level of skill. And there is strong value in that. But a lot of people aren't seeing it the right way, in my opinion. But um, to continue with the wise. So lack of purpose and passion can definitely do it. And then, of course, the disconnects when it comes to sex and sexual satisfaction. Um, One issue that's popping in my head right now is the Madonna complex that a lot of men have. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Mm -hmm. that. It's essentially where your wife or your partner is viewed as this woman you put on a pedestal. So I can't do those freaky, nasty things with her. But I still desire those freaky, nasty things. So I do it with someone else. So think about the politician who has... Right. The wife who he can bring out in front of everybody, but he gets the prostitute on the weekend. All right. And I've met men who, yes, like I know their history and I know they get down, but they would never do it with their wife. Mm. The crazy thing is the wife probably secretly wants to do all the nasty, freaky stuff. Okay. Right. But she's trying to uphold the image he has of her. He refuses to take it there with her. And so now they're both not satisfied mm. sexually. And what happens? It opens the door to cheating. Mm. If we go past the physical lack, we can even look at the emotional lack. Now, I'm going to start with men because a lot of people always assume that men only cheat for sexual reasons. But I remember having this one guy who's an executive at this uh, Fortune 500 company. And he said to me, when I mentioned about writing the book about cheating, he said, hey, make sure you tell women it's not just sexual, it's emotional. And that when the woman doesn't support you, when she doesn't believe in you, what happens is that it opens the door to another woman 
pouring into him in that way. So it doesn't start off as a sexual desire. It starts off as emotional lack. The other woman starts to pour in that emotional uh, void. He starts to be drawn to her and then it turns sexual, which is one of the reasons why I noticed that a lot of times when a guy cheats, the woman he's cheating on his partner with is not even as attractive. Mm. Doesn't even match up physically because that's not what got him to that point. It is the emotional void or her willingness to do the thing sexually his girl wouldn't do, mm. all right? And again, the same thing can happen, of course, on the flip side with women where they're not being uh, emotionally fulfilled in their relationship. And so they start to talk to that friend. Or they start to talk to that other guy who's giving them that side that they need. And then it materializes into something sexual. And I mean, there can be other things, but to me, those are probably the top three whys uh, for people cheating. Yeah, that makes complete yeah. complete sense. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point about it is also emotional for men too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because I think that's like the easy way out to be like sex and like, yeah. you know, physical. But Now, as point. far as can we heal from it or can we have a relationship after infidelity? We can, but it depends on the specific relationship. Meaning when a couple comes to me and says there's been infidelity, what can we do? I, my first question is, how was the relationship before all the issues? Mm. Like, were you guys ever really good? Because, so for example, if I'm speaking to a woman and she's contemplating taking this guy back, but I'm like, hold up. If he was already mistreating you, he, he doesn't take care of you in all these different ways. If he was already not being the guy you needed, all right? Forget the cheating. He's just not the guy. Mm. Like, you're, you're trying to focus on the cheating and get past that. But let's look at the bigger picture here. And so what I always tell people is sometimes infidelity is a symptom of two people who don't belong together. Other times, infidelity mm. is an occurrence of a relationship that fell off somewhere, but it can be put back together. All right? So, of course, if things were great for a while and then something fell off and now infidelity happened, the key to fixing that is let's get back to what was working. Let's get back to when everything was good. And if you both can agree to get back to that, if you both can agree to now pour into each other the way that's needed, then we can fix this. But if you're against that, if there's any resistance there, then there's nothing we can do. On top of that, if the cheating occurred, whoever, I would say, you do the crime, you got to do the time. So for example, guy cheats, a uh, woman takes him back. If at that point that woman says, I want your password to your phone, you got to give it. You, you can't be secretive after that. that. <laughs> I completely agree. You know? hundred. Like, th there's no way she can get back to a place of trust if you totally. continue to operate yeah. in some level of secrecy. And secrecy will always create insecurity in a relationship. Doesn't matter what it is. All right? You have to be open yes. and transparent with your partner. So that's the thing. We have, if we're going to make this work, we have to be honest about what do I need. So yes, if it means, all right, well, you got to check in with me more often, at least for a period of time until we rebuild yeah. this trust back up. I need full access to your phone. You got to be willing to go with that. And if that person says no, man or woman, don't get back in that relationship because you will never feel truly comfortable with them and you will constantly look over your shoulder in that relationship. Yeah, that's like part of the work, you know, of... I was in a situation like that where there was a lot of cheating. And, you know, when I found out it was like that, like I, I need your phone, like whenever I want, I need to look at it. It was, you know, a little crazy at points, but <laughs> I need to be able to like ask questions about it. Not whenever I want, but almost just like 
to fully understand it. Like I needed permission to really go there and mm-hmm. really go deep. And it was actually really beautiful because we were, I was able to learn from that. We aren't together now, but I was able to learn from that, that you can rebuild and you can learn to trust. And at the end of our relationship, I ended up trusting him fully and completely because he fully went there. He fully let me look at his phone anytime. He showed me everything I needed to know. He made all of the steps of removing that person from our life. You know what I mean? Every step and every request that I made was met. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to fully believe in his investment in us and our trust together at the end. And before that relationship, I had been in... um, situations with infidelity, whether mine or theirs. And I never knew or believed that you could recover from it. So it was a really beautiful lesson for me to be gifted that you can recover and fully trust. And I understood so much more of of the reasoning behind it and everything like that. So I completely agree. I wanted to talk about the healing. So how do you suggest or recommend that people heal, whether it's from infidelity or whether it's a feeling of unworthiness or being unlovable? Like what are some of the methods that you employ with the people that you work with? Okay. So um, I actually recently, my last book I released is called Finding Love After Heartbreak. I'm about to change it to Love After Heartbreak. But in that book, it's all about healing and how we process hurt and disappointment. So I lay out all the steps. So to give a couple of the steps to get people rolling um, and moving in the right direction, One of the first steps is what I call the who hurt me worksheet, all right? So you get a piece of paper, you write down who hurt me, and you ask yourself that question. And now every person who comes to mind, you put them on that paper. Doesn't matter if you think it happened long ago. Doesn't matter if you think you moved past it or it's not relevant enough. If they come to mind, there's significance there somewhere. So you put them on the paper and then you write like two sentences of what they did to hurt you. What I have found is that a lot of people don't realize what they've been holding on to and what they've been suppressing for so long. And by doing this exercise, it starts to come out. When we really start to go within ourselves, you might be shocked at what starts to come out of you at that point. And then this allows you to have uh, the pain out in front of you. So now we can pinpoint, okay, here is the pain that's come about in your life, where it came from. And so like I said, for each one, you're going to write two sentences of what they did to hurt you. Now we can start attacking each situation, all right? Now, this is necessarily the, the next step in the healing process, but this is what I feel like I need to mention right now. One of the big important things about healing that we have to understand is that, I'm sure you guys have heard the saying, hurt people hurt people, all right? Yes. And I've heard some people say, well, no, that's not always true because I've been hurt and I don't hurt people. And I will tell you that's a lie, all right? If you are hurt and you have not healed, you have hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. But what happens is that Hurt individuals become so so into their own feelings, so into this idea of I have to protect myself, look out for me, that they're blinded by it. And they don't see how they impact other people's lives. They don't see how they're neglecting their children. They don't see how they turn that good woman or good man bitter and angry because of how they use them to their advantage. Because again, they thought they're just looking out for themselves. There's so many different ways that we now take that hurt and put it onto other individuals. So I bring all that up to say, we have to start realizing that when someone hurts us, it's not about us. It's a manifestation of their deeper issues. It's something that's going on within them. So we attach people's hurts to us and we start questioning our self-worth. Why this happened to us? Am I just doomed to have all these broken relationships? People constantly abandoning me and leaving me? When no, that's not what's happening. Like if, if a father abandons his child, I'll tell that child, listen, you could have been a different child. You would have still got abandoned. 
because it wasn't about the specific child. It was about that father's own mm. issues that were unresolved. And this is how it manifested in his life. So once we learn to stop internalizing people's actions towards us, one, that helps a lot in the healing, but it also helps us not getting back to that place where we're so damaged and hurt by uh, experience that now we need to go heal again. You know, So yeah. to me, those are two very important things. But like, like I said, there, there are a lot of other steps to the healing. And I feel like the average person doesn't actually take any real steps People's, people's perception of healing is, I just won't date for a year. I won't date for two years. I'll focus on me. And focusing on me really is, I'm just going to go to work, go to school. If I have kids, take care of my kids. There's not any real me work. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. Like, two years pass, and you're not really a better person than you were two years ago. Mm-hmm. You simply learn to distract yourself from certain issues and distract yourself from where you are lacking. And we also now have this society where take me flaws and all, take me as I am, but nobody's taking you. So clearly there's a problem here. Okay. Like there's an issue going on and we can't just dismiss our flaws. We have to recognize what flaws are detrimental to healthy relationships and how can we correct these things? You know, we all may have things we struggle with, but there's things that will damage and destroy a relationship and then there are things that, okay, we can try to work to get better, but they're not as high of a priority. Yeah. I also think a lot of people think of, and I, I think in my past, I've thought this too, where like self-work means like thinking about it, means like living up here and really mulling over it. And I think I did that um, in my early 20s where I'm like, okay, let me think of how I could have done this better, how I think how I could have been a better person or what they were feeling or thinking and really like what's been so healing and it's, it literally takes a team, but like through therapy and, and, and spiritual healing and all of that, like just feeling more and just being in your heart. And it, it doesn't look like what you think it's going to look like, you know, and it could involve no words at all. It could involve just rolling around on the floor and like crying or laughing or whatever. Like, so being more just like lower in your heart, in your body, you know, because I think people take that time and they're like, yeah, I think I figured it out. I'm this way because of this. And he's this way because of that. And that's what I think, you know, (laughs) and like the brain's like fucking firing like crazy. So I'm curious to know like your your journey with like love and relationships. We haven't touched on it, but <laughs> I know people are curious. Yeah, I just love to know. I mean, there's so much I could pull from. One of the stories I share in the book, the Love After Heartbreak book, is I guess one of my first, not I can't say it's my first, but one of the most impactful moments of my life when it came to being hurt and how I perceive relationships and so on and so and love in general was finding out my father was cheating on my mom. Mm. But it wasn't just finding that out. Because when I found that out, I think I was still there. I didn't know how to process it. But there was one day where after the family found out because my sisters went on this whole detective mission to figure out where my father was. It was crazy. Mm. <laughs> and, I love um, girls. Yeah, right? <laughs> Literally. Like, follow me. Because <laughs> I have three sisters and one's a twin. So they, the older sisters was like, uh, I had a homeboy who had this big blue van. He's like, listen, we're going to jump in the van at midnight because my mom was out of town and she felt like she knew where my father was, my sister that was. So we're going to go in this van. We're going to ride by the house and we're going to see if his car is there. Oh my God. And literally, there? we were all there and it was there. Damn. So then what? So, I mean, after that, again, I was kind of numb. I didn't know how to process it. She ended up telling my mom. 
which end up then it came out that there was other incidents of cheating that were known, but you know they just kind of work with it. And I, I'm Haitian, so I come from a Caribbean culture where I feel like they they let a lot of that slide a lot um, and too often. So, anyways, what happened was the impactful moment was when um, maybe days after that or a week after that. I'm in my room, I'm watching TV, and my mom just kind of storms in, grabs me, hugs me, crying, saying, I didn't tell you guys because I didn't want you guys to be hurt. Oh, bless. And in that moment, I remember just thinking to myself, how could you do this to someone you love? Like, it didn't make sense to me. Whereas what happened then, it ended up shaping me in the sense of, I became so adamant about not cheating that if I sensed any disconnect in the relationship, or any potential, like I'm thinking ahead. If I meet a woman, I'm thinking, okay, can I be faithful to this woman for the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. If I can't fathom that, I can't get in that relationship because to me, it's too risky. If I think there's something that's missing here, if there's any kind of void, and some people try to, oh, like the whole 80-20 rule, which I don't believe in personally. What is 80-20? 80-20 rule is basically that you're not going to get 100% of what you want from anybody. Oh. So you find a person who has 80% and you deal with the 20% you're not going to get, which I think is pure BS. Mm. All right? It really depends on what that 20% is. Yeah. And even then, I still think sure. 20% might be a little too high. All right? <laughs> and I do believe in the potential of meeting someone you connect with on all levels and that can you can get everything that you desire in that relationship or even things that you weren't even thinking about that you needed before. Um, but to get back to it, yeah, it made me to where I was so super cautious about entering into relationships. It was like, I'd rather just be single then. Be single and just make sure that if I'm going to be with someone, it has to be for yeah. real, for real. You know? And so, yeah, I've had other experiences and I think... Not to get into the full story, but I've experienced where I've seen how when you find a connection or when you find someone that you have deep feelings for and someone isn't healed, that scares the person away. So everyone says, I want love, I want love, and, and, and swears they're ready for it. But if you haven't healed and that real love comes, it will scare the crap out of you. It would, make, it would push you in a position where that level of vulnerability is just extremely uncomfortable. And so now people run from it. And I would have to say that it happens more with women than men. And there's that a lot women of women want run from it? Yes. Okay. Women run from the, I, I said this in the previous video before, women run from the great man all the time. And when I say great man, I don't mean your family and friends thinks he's great. All right. I don't mean all the guys who proclaim to be good, great men. I'm talking about great men in the sense of the guy that you see as great, the guy that you hold in high regard. And when you get in front of him, you start questioning everything about yourself. You start wondering, are you good enough? Why does he really even want me? He can Mm -hmm. have any woman he wants. What's going on here? So many things start running through your head. And like, I even had one client where when she came to me, uh, to be completely transparent, she was sleeping around with a lot of guys. She was being very mannish, mm-hmm. <laughs> as we as some may consider it. But when she came to me, you know, we recognized there were some issues we had to work through. So she had a lot of issues with her father, her, even her mother. We worked through all these things. We did a lot of uh, changing her energy. I'm a big believer in women tapping into their feminine energy. That's where the big payoff comes. When you know how to tap into it and exude it, man, the world is yours. Yeah. So we got her to do that. She even went on a weight loss journey. Everything was just beautiful. She meets this guy, amazing man, all right? This, everything she could want. He's successful, good looking. He's so into her. He's attentive, everything. And so when we had our session after she met him, um, 
she broke down in tears on the session. It was like she's scared. She doesn't know what to do. And she was prepared to break mm. up with him. He did nothing wrong. But the she just could not handle how vulnerable it made her. Like it, it puts you in a position as a woman where if that guy doesn't call you for a few hours, you're like, what is he doing? He's talking to someone else. <laughs> Did he forget about me? Now, the guy that you're not really into like that, but you like him, you can handle it if you don't hear from him for a couple hours. You can handle it when he doesn't do certain things. But that guy, the one you're really into, you can't. It's too much. Mm-hmm. And so all that to say that my own experience with that was really a big light bulb moment in understanding it. Mm-hmm. You know, And that's one of the reasons why I'm so... Uh, big on healing because I've seen too many people and again, too many women running from the right one and running to the wrong one because the wrong one is safer emotionally, you know? And so women, that's why I think women typically date down more than men do. Yeah. And I think it's a subconscious belief that that's what they deserve. It's safer a hundred percent, but then it's a subconscious belief, you know, that that's what they deserve. And so if this woman's been shown all these bad, 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 and then she has a good, it's, it's not really a normal thing for her nervous system, Mm -hmm. for her subconscious. So it's like, how could I continue my homeostasis of like either messing this up or not being in a situation like this? Because I think it's scarier to be happy than people think. Yes. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's just as much as, as people live with like a, a low level of pain their entire life doing whatever they do. I think it's very scary to know that you can have it all. You can live a really beautiful life because then that means that you have to take a lot of responsibility for things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that's really beautiful. With the feminine, how do you ask your, how do you coach your women to tap in? Like what are some things you do? You ask them to do? Before I answer that, let me also say this. The other issue that I think, or the other issue that I've found is that women are evaluating men. I mean, evaluating themselves on the same scale they evaluate men. So I'll see women who, let's say you didn't go to college, you have a regular job, you meet this successful guy, educated all these things. And to you, it's why would he want me? I'm not on his level. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that a millionaire would marry the girl who works at Chick-fil-A. Yeah, All right. But the CEO who's a woman wants a CEO as her partner or wants someone who's on her level. There's a very different approach there. And so I think what women have to understand is when that guy shows interest in you, he's saying to you, I see your value. Even if you don't see it, embrace what he's seeing. All right. If you want to give yourself a chance at making this work, because again, a man who's successful, who has his stuff together, he doesn't care about your money like that. He doesn't care about your education like that. Those are all bonuses. Those are extra icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. What he cares about is I'm attracted to you, how you make me feel when I'm around you, how you talk to me. This is what he's really drawn to. So women have to remember all that other stuff. That's what you want. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with what you want. But that's not what the guy that, the guy that you want, that's not the stuff that he's going to want in a woman. And so disconnect from that. Uh, evaluation or scale that you're using so that you can better embrace that gray man wanting you. Now, as far as tapping into the feminine energy, one thing, of course, is healing. I believe the lack of healing is what's uh, causing a lot of women to struggle with their femininity. And they're giving off... Masculine energy is a defense mechanism for a lot of women. All right? It's the way to protect themselves. Think about it like in the workplace. A woman believes, I have to be masculine to be respected. I argue that I do not believe you have to be masculine or give off masculine energy to be respected in the workplace. Um, I do believe you can be as feminine as you want to be, but you do have to hold true to your words. You do have to draw boundaries. 
That's what gets respect. Boundaries, not being masculine. All right. And to give a quick example, I had one client who was a lawyer and she said to me, I had to be a bitch to get ahead. And I said, no, correction. You got ahead despite being a bitch. You got ahead because you're so good at what you do that despite them not liking you, they still had to promote you. They couldn't deny what you brought to the table skills-wise, knowledge-wise. However, we all seen situations where women who have no skills but looks and charm get promoted all day long and rise up in the ranks. So how can you tell me or convince me that if you took the woman who's knowledgeable and skillful and combined her with charms and presentation, that she will not be the most unstoppable woman in the workforce? A woman who is light and knows what she's doing, you're going wherever you want to go, anywhere. But women have disconnected from that idea and think, I have to be hard, I have to be hard, I have to be... No, you do not have to be hard. So one, I think we have to retrain our minds on how we perceive masculine and feminine and understand that women tend to look at femininity as weakness. It is not weakness, it is power. It is power more than you can even freaking imagine, okay? And so you got to understand that and embrace that, number one. Number two, one of the things I love to talk to women about as far as tapping into the femininity is the colors you wear. Mm. So people have to understand colors give off energy. They give off a certain signal. Now, let me say this. It doesn't mean you can't wear whatever you want to wear. However, I'll meet a woman and she gives off a lot of masculine energy. And I'll say, okay, let's look at your closet. We look at her closet. It's black, dark green, navy blue, gray. All right. There's no color there. This combined, if you're already carrying masculine energy and you're wearing colors that give off masculine energy, you are completely shooting yourself in the foot. All right. So simply wearing more color, softer colors, pastels, yellows, bright colors, this changes how people perceive you. And, and any woman who questions this, just try it. Try it for one week and I guarantee you will see a difference. All right. Even in what you're wearing, dressing in up more feminine ways, not only does it give off a certain energy, it's and, and how people perceive you, it's how you start to look at yourself. Yeah. Women are disconnected from how they're viewing themselves. And you don't realize that when you put on that dress, for example, and you like how you look, you become more confident, you become more friendly. Like everything about your energy yeah. starts to change, and you yourself starts to feel like a woman even more. So to give another example, I had a client in London and she's actually a runaway model. So this is a beautiful woman, okay? And very spiritual. So she's very into church. And she was like, no one is approaching her. No one is asking her on a date. Now, when I do my sessions overseas, I'm doing it by Skype. Mm-hmm. So I can see her face. And I say to her, well, listen, it's because you come off too hard. You're too rough. All right, I can see it in your face. And she says, well, what do you want me to do? You want me to walk around with a flower in my head? I say, yes. For one week, put a flower in your head wear nothing but dresses, skirts, anything feminine, and bright colors. Let's see what happens. Let's just try it. So she tried it. I promise you guys on everything. Day two of the experiment, she was axed out. Wow. All right? I love that. But the best part was she said, for the first time in a long time, she felt like a woman. She felt better. She felt Mm. lighter. Carrying around that masculine energy is like an ape on your back. Mm -hmm. It is a burden. It doesn't feel good. And it's not just not feeling good. It's stressing you out from the inside. You're just holding on to all this emotional stress because, again, that masculine energy is a manifestation of your fear, all right, and deeper issues that have not been resolved. So we have to get women to understand that, again, 
there's even the woman who'll say, well, I'm just not a feminine woman. No, you're just so far detached from it. But one great way to look at how to be more feminine as well, here's another thing I tell a lot of women and tell a lot of clients is, and this may not apply to every woman, but I believe it applies to a lot. Look at yourself when you're around kids and babies. I've seen very masculine women, you put them around a child and they're all nurturing and loving and sweet and playful with the child. Remove the child, put a man next to her, back to being masculine. So the issue is that, you're not, that you don't possess femininity, it's that you do not let it out with men. Why? Because you are scared. Why? Because the child poses no threat to your feelings and emotions. You have no problem being vulnerable because femininity is a level of vulnerability. You have no problem being vulnerable with the babies and the kids, but you fear being vulnerable around the man. Mm. All right? So just understanding that and really getting your mind to embrace that, okay, if I take that same energy I give to kids and give it to a man, watch what happens. Yeah. Makes a huge difference. I've definitely noted that's a great way. I'm glad that you put it that way. And I've said it in other ways was the manifestation of your fear. The masculine is the manifestation of your fear because I've definitely felt that more so in like our career life, you know, the more masculine I am, the more fearful I am of this going away of, you know, us not being able to do it. My confidence in myself, less focused on relationships, but I think that's like a perfect way to describe it. Mm. I love that. Last question for me. What are you personally working on right now? What am I working on? The first thing that pops in my mind is work-life balance. Mm. I've been horrible with work-life balance. I have Multiple times I've tried to tell myself to take a day off, a set day off during the week, and I still end up doing work on that day off. I've tried to take Sundays off. I try to remind myself, hey, Chick-fil-A isn't open on Sundays, and they're booming with business, all right? I don't have to work on the Sunday. Two Chick-fil-A references. (laughs) Dude, it's so weird when I used to eat meat. I I would always be like, Sunday, I'm craving Chick-fil-A every time. (laughs) Chick-fil-A is awesome. But um, yeah, so... I've been trying to really get on that. But I think right now I'm in a season of trying to get the business running smoothly, get everything in proper order so that I can have that balance. Because I think, again, I think people overlook that in trying to have a relationship is that you don't have a balance in your life and you want people to fit conveniently into your life. Mm. That's not fair. That's not how you're supposed to do things. And you can meet the love of your life but if you don't have space for them made, then it's going to be a struggle and things are going to go the wrong way. And we can't wait till we meet someone to set that stage. We have to do it now because that's what really opens the door sometimes. So to me, it's, it's just really important. And not just for the sake of future relationship, but even family relationships right now. You know, I have tons of nieces and goddaughters. I have close friends and I'm, I have a hard time staying in contact with everybody because there's so much going on. But once I can structure my life in a way that I can have that balance, now I can give to everybody what's necessary. But more importantly, it is about who I end up marrying, who I end up being with. That's the woman I want to make sure she has what she needs from me. And I, I don't want to come to her and say, no, I got to work. No, you got you to gotta wait for this. You got to wait. No, I want to have it to where work can wait. Mm-hmm. My woman comes first. you know. And I believe when you have the proper priority structure in your life, that's when everything goes the way it's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny. Like, I bet you for you too, it's like right when you're deciding that you want, you know, right when you're like, okay, I want to find someone to marry, it'll be like that. Like, I feel like for men, when they make that decision, literally when they- <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally, right. Like when men 
It, they look, this is in my experience, probably not yours. They look around, all their friends are like, they're engaged. They're like, oh shit. Like, I want to get engaged. And then literally they find that person like that. So yes and no. Okay, tell me more. All right. One, let me start off by saying that men are horrible selectors of wives. All right? I could agree with that. There's a huge reason. Again, the divorce rate is not an indictment on marriage. It's an indictment on the selection process. Yeah. All right? Mm. We marry the wrong person for the wrong reasons. If we would fix that, it would change everything. So going back to the example you use, yes, it is true. If I said tomorrow, I just want to be married, let me go find oh, a good yeah, I woman, I could easily, I could do that today. Yeah. All right? No problem. But if you want a successful marriage and you want to make sure you're with the person you're supposed to be with, and yes, I do believe in the supposed to be with, the person who truly aligns with you that you have a real connection with, that takes time. You can't just grab anybody. Yeah. You can't plug and play. But that's what we try to do as a society. We try to just say, okay, I want marriage. Let me just find the best candidate available and make it work. It's not going to work that way. And a lot of times... Even the person whose resume is amazing, all right? And there's a lot of chemistry because chemistry is not connection. There's a lot. Because think about it like this. You meet a lot of people that you have chemistry with. Connection is a rare occurrence, all right? And I'll be honest with you, I don't even think it happens more than maybe once. I, I'm going to say twice to be fair, but I'm not even sold on twice. Like in your lifetime? Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm not even sold on twice. I think that what people describe as connection is getting confused with chemistry, infatuation, mm. obsession sometimes, but that's not really the connection I'm talking about. Um, so connection is so rare that, yes, even as a man, if you say, I want to be married today, now the journey begins of waiting for that woman you have a true connection with. But again, I think that the, the mistake that we make as men, and again, you can say for women as well, is once you know this is what you want, you have to start setting the table. This isn't about just finding the person. It's about making sure I can give the person what they need. Relationships isn't about what we're going to get. It's about what we're prepared to give. So if you're not able to fulfill her desires and her needs, you're not ready. I had to check myself one time. A couple of years ago, I was like, you know what? I'm done with this. I need a relationship. I'm going to do it. And I'm, always, I'm very self-aware, so I always process deeper. And I said, wait a minute. Why do I really want a relationship? Do I want one because I want someone at my convenience right now? Or, or am I really prepared to give her what she's going to need? And I had to stop myself. I'm not prepared. I, had, I didn't have any work-life balance. Mm. I was still focused on career, 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 career. There's no way I could be the great partner I need to be to make the relationship flourish. So I had to put the brakes on that and say, no, it's not time. Now, I do believe I'm at a point where I am ready, but now again, being ready simply means I have to now prepare and get things in proper order so that when she does come around, I'm good. Yeah. Everything can fit perfectly and, and fall into place and we can have that amazing relationship. Set the table. I love yeah. that. Yeah, truly. This was awesome. This is so good. I have <laughs> Thank more you questions. so much. So we'll I know. The next time. I know, truly. Part two. How can people find you, reach you, learn from you? Thank you. So they can uh, find me on online at Stefan Speaks. That's S-T-E-P-H-A-N Speaks. So that's on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Stefan Speaks Relationships, or just go to my website, www.stefanspeaks.com. And definitely on YouTube. Check me out on YouTube. Yes. Uh, uh, Stefan Speaks is the name of the channel. Um, got videos there and there will be clips of this on there to get for a little sure. taste buzz. But <laughs> yeah. For sure. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, much for being here. Yeah. Thank you we for appreciate having me. it. 
Thanks so much, Stefan, for coming on the pod. You can visit his website, stefanspeaks.com for more information and his YouTube, Stefan Speaks. Yeah, and check out our video that we did together. And I hope, I hope we look good. Try not. <laughs> it's about, it's We're about never, right. catch us never ready for video content. I need but. to just live my life ready. Yeah, well, or not. And just yeah. let it rip. Let it rip. All right, review of the week. The best podcast in the world. Wow. Wow. <laughs> She's like, this is my first podcast I've ever listened to. <laughs> Five stars. That's so sweet. Okay. This podcast is hands down the best podcast I've ever listened to. I've been listening for about two years now. Each episode radiates Krista and Lindsay's positive and loving vibes. Each guest is charming, dynamic, and delivers so much insight to listeners. Because of this podcast, I truly feel that I've become a more spiritual, mindful, and engaged person. As a 23-year-old, I feel so blessed to be able to receive Krista and Lindsay's wisdom, infinite love for this podcast. That's from Naomi. Thanks, Thanks girl. Naomi. 23 years old. Wow. So lucky. And listening to, I, yo, when I was 23, I wish. I know. I, I've said that so much. Podcasts have really changed the game. The access that you have to mentors, not yes. us, but like the access you have to mentors, to leaders, to some of the industry's greats is like unparalleled. unparalleled. It's wow. insane, you know, to think about that. People before had to pay thousands and thousands of dollars for coaches or to go to events with that person. And oftentimes you wouldn't even hear that person speak. And now you can just tune into a podcast. Completely agree. It's great. Completely democratization of knowledge. And we'd love to, we, you know, we're planning on, on visiting more colleges. So if you're at a college, Hey, hit us up. We'd love to organize an event with you. We loved speaking at Santa Clara university last year. USC. It was a, in USC, it was a blast. Yes. So let us know. You guys are always so helpful in doing that type of stuff. So thanks yep. for listening. Almost 30 podcast on Instagram. We post some funny memes. Um, DM us if you ever have any thoughts or questions. We're always here and open for for help. If you are pitching a guest, email guests at almost30podcast.com. <laughs> Don't DM us, please, because we'll lose it. We'll lose it. And yeah, we'll see you on the road. We'll see you on tour. Get your tickets. I cannot wait to see you. We love you. We love you. Bye.